everyone and welcome back to Say You Want To Be Ever. I'm Erin, a second year veterinary medicine student at the University of Nottingham. And I'm Sophia, a fourth year veterinary medicine student at the University of Surrey. Welcome back to our podcast series where we bring you honest and open discussions about life as a vet student and share the inspiring and motivating experiences of vets in the industry from their vet school journey and beyond. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe to our podcast, follow us on social media at So You Want To Be A Vet, where we'll be sharing behind the scenes clips, doing live Q&As and much more. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel of the same name where we upload regular videos such as CV and personal statement writing tutorials, interview skills and much, much more that will help you build a strong application to vet school. Welcome back to another discussion episode. Um, today we're joined by guest Dr. Katie Ford. Hi, Katie. Hi there. So pleased to be here with you all. How are you doing? I am very well, thank you. I am super excited to be diving into a topic I am hugely passionate mm-hmm. about and so thrilled that you both invited me to come along and shed some light on it as well. Brilliant. So Katie is not only a vet herself, but coaches other vets on how to tackle imposter syndrome and helps them build their self-confidence. Would you like to tell us a little bit now about your journey to vet school, how you got there and like how you found yourself to be in the career you're in now? Absolutely. I mean, I'll try and do you a very succinct version of this because I feel like this could be a podcast in itself, but in a story that will be very unfamiliar, um, sorry, very familiar, I guess, to a lot of people here. I loved animals. I loved science as a child. It was always a very natural progression of something that I'd set my heart on, maybe at six, seven years old. I had a brief blip when I decided that I'd like to be a medic instead, but that didn't last too long, maybe about 18 months uh, when I was 15. And I just knew that that was what I wanted to do. So I ended up doing the work experience. I was always a a high achiever and a high flyer, as I know that many people listening to this will have been as well. But I did come from a school that was probably not the best background. I mean, certainly we'll come on to, did I feel like an imposter at vet school? But I think that was probably a little part of it that sometimes I thought, oh, I don't know that you should be here. I don't know that you fit in, but we'll go into why that's rubbish and further down the line as well. I ended up getting into Liverpool vet school, which, I had four interviews and I had two offers and that was the one that I'd had my heart set on. I went through vet school, kind of, we'll dive a little bit more into the imposter stuff, but I I felt like I I coasted my way through there a lot of the time. I certainly didn't give myself that much credit for passing exams. I always thought, yeah, you, you got away with that one again. And Eventually, once I was in the vet world, I I ended up in a very busy first opinion practice. And whilst the first few years in practice, well, first few months, sorry, I was quite forgiving to myself. And I thought, you know, you're a new graduate. You're not going to know everything. Go and check in with the boss, ask them the questions. But actually, as time went on, I started thinking, you should know this by now. You shouldn't be asking this. Go and look it up somewhere else. Stop bothering the boss. So I started looking in the textbooks, I was ringing the lab, I was speaking to the specialists. I'd get good case outcomes, but this little voice in my head was saying, well, you didn't really earn that one because someone else did it for you. Or that was a really easy case. You could have done that yourself. Well, someone else could have done that much more easily, or it could have been um, this that, that did it, not you. And I could never really own that it was my achievement. I couldn't own that I did it. There was always a little caveat in my head of why it was um, 
a lot easier than um, everybody thought it was or why someone else had helped me. And eventually I moved practices. I went somewhere else. I went to a much busier, first, um, much quieter, sorry, calmer, longer consult practice. And I still felt the same and couldn't quite understand what I needed to do. So I thought, you know what, I'll get a certificate. I'll get some extra qualifications. That will make me feel like I earned it. That will make me realize that, yes, you do deserve to be here and you do deserve to be a vet. And I got that and I didn't feel any different. And I started to notice a little bit of a trend here. And I ended up very much going through my own journey with imposter syndrome, which will come on to what that actually is and the backstory of it too. But long story short, through a lot of help, coaching, therapies, different modalities, I realized that actually that little voice wasn't me and I didn't have to believe it. And life suddenly felt a lot easier. I was a lot kinder to myself. I was a lot more compassionate to myself. And that was something that I just then became passionate about helping other people with. I started with just sharing a few stories on Instagram, on Facebook. And really a lot of people got in touch with me and said, oh my goodness, I thought I was the only way to, one to feel like this. I can't believe that somebody else had these thoughts popping up. And really it was just that I started discussing the elephant in the room, as it were. And I went on then to train in coaching, do some further study into CBT. And that really put me on this path to what I'm doing now, which was totally unexpected. And that's 10 years in a nutshell, in a shorter period as I can make it for you. But really, I thought that my path would go one way from vet school. And I thought that I'd be a specialist or I thought that I'd go and be an internal medic. And it just goes to show that sometimes the path changes and things end up better than you ever expected them to be. And it was a different twist and a different um, outcome than I ever thought, certainly when I was entering vet school back in 2007. But that would be my very short story of how I ended up doing what I'm doing now. That was, that was super interesting. And I think loads of people are going to really um, find something to, that resonates with them in that story, just because I think, first of all, vet, as you mentioned, it's something that although a lot of people perceive it as, oh, it's, it's just an animal medicine degree. It's so much more and you can find so many paths within it that are, can be so different to what you initially think you're going to do. So I think that's one of the lessons today is just to keep an open mind and be open to everything because you can just find paths everywhere. Um, but I do really like that you mentioned something like chasing um, kind of a solution to this little voice in your head and trying to find your way through and thinking, okay, what, what is this voice in my head? Is it going to fix it? If it's, if it's me finding new things, if I'm trying new things, if I'm going higher and higher and chasing more achievements. Um, and I think that's a really good way to summarize, I guess, in ways what imposter syndrome is and what people feel like it is. But can you kind of talk us through how you would describe imposter syndrome and why it's so important for professionals to kind of overcome it and kind of realizing that it's, that it's there? Absolutely. And I think you summarized it really well there. Essentially, if we were to have a definition of imposter syndrome, we'd be looking at like that persistent inability to believe that what we've achieved has been legitimately earned as a result of either our own accomplishments or our own efforts or our own achievements. So there's always a little caveat in there of, well, that was okay, but you only did it because you fluked your way through there, or you don't actually deserve it because of this. And it might mean that we're saying things like, I was lucky to pass, the questions were just right on the day, I received a lot of help to get me through that. When we feel a bit impostery, we feel like we should do everything 
on our own, we start to feel like we just winged it or that someone might eventually email us and say they're going to unmask us as a fraud. You know, actually, there's been a mistake. You didn't get into vet school after all, or you didn't qualify properly after all. So yeah, it's just that little voice that pipes up and says, you know, someone's going to find out that you don't actually know what you're doing or how did I end up here? which I'm sure will be familiar to many people that are listening. And that is something that has been classically termed as imposter syndrome, imposterism, imposter phenomenon. There's a lot of different terms that are put there to label essentially the same set of thoughts. Absolutely. I mean, I personally really can relate to the idea of thinking, oh my gosh, someone's going to email me and it's the wrong thing because they email us results. And I always wait like a day or two before calling my parents because I'm like, oh, wait, <laughs> they're going to tell me that I didn't do it. So that's something I'm sure loads of people will, will really like relate to. Yeah. And, you know, the same thought sometimes pops in for me like nine years on, oh, you know, are they, are they going to send that message and say, actually, there were two Katie Fords. And the difference is now like I give that no significance. But in the beginning, I'd be like, oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Maybe it is true. And then the story would start being created in my mind and it may as well have happened because, you know, we'd feel it as as in as much detail and as really as if it had Definitely. I think it's so difficult as well, because like you and Sophia just spoke about sort of the chase onto the next thing and the next achievement, we kind of get into a bit of a habit as people that apply to vet school or apply to do medicine or apply to do a degree where it's like, okay, I have to get my GCSE so that I can do my A-levels and then I have to get do well in my A-levels or my AS so that I can get interviews and then I have to do well in those and then get into uni and you finally get there and it almost, it doesn't stop but you're no longer like, obviously you want to pass your yearly exams at uni, but it's less of, um, sort of, it feels less life changing if that makes sense. Whereas a levels, it's like, I have to get them to get in and there's so much weight placed on it. Um, and I suppose that stops, but you get so into the habit of feeling that way and your mind works in that way that you can't tell yourself to stop if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, certainly that makes total sense. We are chronic achievers in a way of we're always used to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But the really important thing amongst all of that is to stop and genuinely reward ourselves and just take sight of what you've done and just look at, okay, I did deserve this because otherwise it becomes very quick of, right, next thing, next thing, next thing. And if you haven't taken stock of all the reasons why you do deserve to be where you are now, then quickly you have a moment where you think, oh, goodness, how did that happen? And you forget all the effort that you put in and all that time that you put into it and the skills that you built up. So I think it's now is a really good point, either when people are getting into university or whilst they're there of just giving yourself some credit for how far that you have come as well. Absolutely. And do you think reflecting on your time at vet school you were able to do that or where did you find yourself struggling is there anything you could go back and tell your former self here are the things you can do to make things feel a bit better I think I'd go back and I'd tell myself to be a bit kinder to myself definitely because you know what we go through life kind of criticizing ourselves or listening to that voice of criticism which gets us so far but actually sometimes compassion gets us a lot further than criticism. And I wish that I'd gone back and said to myself, look, you deserve your place here. There was no mistake. 
somebody thought that you should be here and it's because of all these reasons it's not because of a fluke and it's not because somebody thought your name looked right on the list or one of the things that used to come up for me sometimes was oh you didn't come from the best school they probably just have to give spaces to five or six people that have been from one of those schools which is utter rubbish but these were like the caveats that would pop up in my head of why i didn't deserve to be there so i just go back and say you know what first of all you don't have to believe everything that you think like just because it's a thought doesn't mean it's a fact. And secondly, I'd say, be kind to yourself. You are going to go further if you're kinder to yourself and look at creating like a growth mindset. There are going to be things that go wrong. There are going to be things that you potentially fail, but a failure is an event. It's not an identity. I know many amazing vets that have failed exams. It doesn't mean that you don't know your stuff. Maybe it means that the questions just weren't set up right on the day. And it won't take away from you in the long term. So yeah, I'd go back and say, be kind to yourself, Katie. You know, actually getting through these five years, enjoy them rather than beating yourself with a stick through the five years, which is what I think I probably did. I really like how you've kind of described it because I think it does feel a lot of the time like you are beating yourself down your your own worst enemy in a way, because I think the best kind of attitude I think I usually tell that student to approach is just to think that mistakes are going to happen. So it's a matter yeah. of just seeing them as like a, a growth opportunity rather than something so terrible, which is hard because I think failure is always difficult to cope with, but it's more of a growth opportunity, I think. So I really like what you mentioned there. So um, in terms of kind of the spectrum of imposter syndrome, do you think it just kind of manifests in those kind of bigger ways of always thinking, oh, this exam failed, or do you think it can be kind of more subtle and appear in different aspects of one kind of like everyday life with vet school? Because I think sometimes it can even happen with like the tiniest thing, like, I don't know, being like having a period where you're showing up late sometimes, or even that you're not as present in practicals and kind of that even makes you feel like, oh, maybe I'm just like not good at this. How do you think you can fight those more subtle kind of things that creep in really slowly? I think you're absolutely spot on. It's not just a, it pipes up at exams. It does come louder at times of growth. So yes, exams are a big period for it. Graduation, just getting into vet school. But yeah, it can be insidious and it can be quiet. Sometimes that might be, oh, look how much better they're all doing than you. Why, why are you here? Look at that, the comparisonitis trap that we'll fall into. And I'd say just coming back again to that self-compassion piece of saying, first of all, what would I say to my best friend if they were a vet student and they were having these thoughts and focusing on that? Because remember, we have upwards of 60,000 thoughts every single day. They think that 95% of them are repetitive and 80% of them are negative. And on top of that, they think that 85% of the things that we worry about never happen. And out of the things that do, 79% aren't anywhere near as bad as we thought they might be. So that means that 97% of the things that we worry about never happen overall um, or aren't as bad as we thought that they'd be. So guide yourself back to that. And I think, yeah, this self-compassion piece, when those thoughts pop in, just look at them with interest. Be like, oh, that's interesting. But just remember, so many of us have that little negative inner critic that comes along, but that's not us. That's a result of years of conditioning. Like our subconscious minds are really intricate, very complex things that sometimes throw up thoughts that have no reasoning behind them. And actually, sometimes it's taking a step back and giving less actual weight to that thought rather than thinking, oh my God, is it true? Thinking, oh, actually, that's interesting, but 
what would I choose to say to my friend on that one? Or I'm gently going to let that, that thought go, you know, because it's the story that gets created around that thought of, look how much better they're doing. All right. Okay. Well, let's just step out of the comparison space. Or like you said, with mistakes, I think one important thing to do as well is actually realize that sometimes we, we do need to gently just be kind to ourselves after a mistake because it's brilliant that, yeah, they're, they're an opportunity to grow. That's fantastic. But at the same time, in that space, those few hours after doing it, sometimes we can feel uncomfortable and we can feel sad because whatever's going on in our subconscious about previous experiences of mistakes and failures is popping up. And that's the time to be most gentle with ourselves and just say, look, maybe you need a little bit of time to grieve this mistake. What would I do with a friend? I'd probably go and give them a big hug or I'd make them a cup of tea. Or I'd say to them, look, learn something from it tomorrow. Learn something from it when you're ready. There is going to be a lesson in this right now. I know it's uncomfortable, but there's a difference between guilt and shame. You, it's not a bad thing that this has happened. You know, I know it's uncomfy right now, but let's just be gentle with you rather than beating yourself up about this. Let's be kind. So the little things on a daily basis would be think about what would you say to a friend? Look at gently guiding your focus away from why don't I de deserve this to why do I deserve this? And realize that quite often those impostery type thoughts are popping in as we're growing and we're pushing comfort zones and look at them with interest and say, that's interesting that that's popping up. How do I need to be a bit gentler with myself today? And sometimes that means that actually it's holding ourselves accountable in a way of saying, look, this is important to you. We're going to keep going with it, but we're going to slow down a little bit. Absolutely. No, I mean, I really like that you mentioned two things, which I think are kind of really important to loads of people. And I've definitely felt them. And is the fact that a lot of times we have this idea that I think has come up a lot with the pandemic and being at home and trying to improve ourselves where everything needs to be a chance to get better. But I think sometimes it is okay to just think it's okay for me to just take a step back and feel bad. Like, I think sometimes people call it toxic kind of positivity in a way where you need to always be better and growing and everything needs to be better when sometimes it's okay to just feel bad and not feel okay because we all feel like that. And, and it's unrealistic, I think, in a way to always think everything has to be positive. And also, I like that you mentioned comparing yourself to others because I think loads of us, even myself, grew up with like older siblings or really close friends, which were really, really kind of very intelligent or very good at something or very talented. And it kind of made us kind of throughout life and into our careers go a bit like, oh, I am really good, but then they're better. So oh, am I not good enough? So I really like that you brought that up because I think so many people will relate to that. Yeah. And you know what, two points on what you've just said there. First thing is like a lot of people hear me speak and they put me on some sort of a pedestal being like, oh my goodness, Katie knows all about the brain and our thoughts and how you can choose a different narrative and how you don't have to believe that little inner critic when it pipes up. And yeah, it's helped me do some amazing things, but let me step off the pedestal before anybody that's listening to this puts me up on one. I still have days where I feel bad. Just the subtle differences now, I know it doesn't make me bad. You know, it makes me human. Sometimes there's days where I'm like, I'm just not feeling that great today. I'm going to be gentle to myself because I know it'll shift quicker if I do go and like, let myself slow down, let myself have a cup of tea, let myself go and connect with the people that I know are going to help me rather than being like, oh my goodness, I'm such a negative person. Why do I feel like this? Why won't it disappear? Because that just keeps you in it longer. So yeah, that's absolutely the, the first thing that I'd add in there as well. And like you say, sometimes just 
yeah, let yourself slow down and just give yourself the time that you do need because we've got long lives ahead of us. We've got long careers ahead of us. We don't have to be a hundred miles an hour straight out the gate. Like let's pace ourselves and enjoy the journey a little bit. It's almost like mindfulness, isn't it? In the sense that when a negative thought comes in, learning how to sort of be like, okay, that's there. I don't have to acknowledge it. I don't have to believe it. And I think the thing is with that, that people think you have to be like, okay, I'm going to sit down, go do five to 10 minutes of mindfulness and I'll do that. And then that's it done for the day. But I think it's about practicing it in everyday life and getting used to that and not making it something that's separate and different to everything that you do. Um, so yeah, definitely. I completely agree with everything. I think this is really helpful um, for people that are listening, particularly those that are sort of thinking like, oh, these are things that I thought only I believed and I experienced. And they're sort of like, this is me. And it's not just me on my own in this. There's a lot of different people that experience it. Um, so what do you think the turning point for you was personally when you were dealing with these thoughts when did you sort of think right I'm going to start acknowledging it now and I'm going to sort of start discussing it and make a bit of a change how can people sort of go from being like I am feeling this how can I not feel it yeah and this is a really important point for us to touch on because actually imposter syndrome itself isn't a diagnosis it's not a mental health condition and lots of people will have imposter thoughts so nobody listening to this think oh my goodness, I have this condition, I have imposter syndrome, this is a fault of mine. But it has been very closely linked to progression, progressing to things like depression and anxiety, which is understandable. If you constantly think that somebody's going to find you out and you genuinely believe that, it's common sense that that could then potentially progress to feeling very anxious. And that's what it did for me. And I'll be honest, like there's not points, well, there's not enough time for us to dive right into my story, but it left me at a very, very, very low point as a vet and feeling very self-critical and feeling very worthless and very unvaluable. And it was at that point that actually conversations with my boss, I reached out and spoke to the doctor and had cognitive behavior therapy to understand a little bit more about those, those negative thoughts and how I could challenge them a little more. And then from there, I started getting more interested in how our thoughts do work and found methods that were a bit more based on mindfulness, like you said, Erin, of actually, yes, that thought's there, but it's like a bus it can drive past. I don't have to get on it. I don't have to give it significance. So I'd say if this is something for people that is having a persistent, negative, ongoing effect in their lives, Yes, some of the things that we've talked about can be helpful, but honestly, just reach out and speak to somebody, whether that's that you start just opening the conversations with someone that you trust, or whether that's that you speak to um, someone at university or somebody, um, mental health professionals, because actually there's a whole spectrum of this. Sometimes it's something that pipes up and is a, a minor annoyance and is an irritation. And other times, like that's why I'm so passionate about it, because I let it go too far, believing that it was true. And actually, now that I open conversations on it, people can spot it earlier on and be like, oh, they're just imposter thoughts. I don't have to believe them. How can I be kinder to myself? Whereas I thought that every single thing I listened to was true. And rather than querying whether it could be true or not, I just thought, right, well, I'll never make a mistake. So I'll stay in work every hour and I'll make sure no mistakes happen. But as both of you have quite rightly said, mistakes do happen because we're human and they're going to happen. And if we want to go through our career thinking we'll never make a mistake, we're in for a very exhausting time. Yeah, absolutely. I think, again, it's really positive that we're speaking about this because I, one thing that I am very happy about, I think, is that 
it's become much more of a conversation. I think with me and my colleagues at school and we feel much more open talking about mental health as something that is kind of quite normal and quite acceptable to, to just openly um, talk about and accept people with kind of their difficulties and accept it as part of the journey. Because I do think that people who do end up in veterinary medicine, a lot of these quite high stressful careers, they're quite prone to kind of um, feeling vulnerable when sharing kind of their own struggles, because um, I think there is still a traditional idea that sometimes being vulnerable mentally can be seen as quite a negative thing. So I'm very happy that um, it's becoming a lot more um, outspoken in kind of the whole profession itself with doctors, um, vets, um, with dentists as well. So I'm really happy about that. Um, what do you think are some of the things that kind of will change over the years with mental health and kind of incorporating it more into a conversation how do you think professionals are going to change themselves and how do you think the vet profession itself will kind of merge and, and move around around this topic i think there's a few things i think first of all there is a lot more weight being put towards things like mindfulness and resilience and self-compassion and actually teaching these as tools when we're in vet school because i know i certainly had no training or no information given to me on on any of this really i certainly didn't consciously take it in if i was given it i think the second thing goes down to role models as well that quite often when we look at the origins of imposter syndrome back from when it was documented in the 70s one of the proposed theories of it is societal stereotypes of what we have in our mind of what a vet should look like and what their career should look like and quite often then when we're cross-referencing where we're at with what we think we should be at we start to feel like imposters because oh my goodness i'm not doing that role or i don't look or sound like they are or i'm not acting in the way that they are or i've not got their qualifications and i think as we get more role models coming to a head like you said already right at the beginning that there are so many different paths that your vet passport can take you down I think the more exposure that there can be to the different options you've got with your career, the better as well, because we've all got our own individual path and that's really valuable in itself. And also adding to that, you're allowed to outgrow and you're allowed to change the idea that you had that you wanted to do with your job when you were in the first year of vet school, when you were in the final year of vet school, when you were a teenager, I would not have seen myself doing what I'm doing now, right back at the beginning. And that's the beauty of it. You know, it can change. It's just looking at you. And I think that's something that they'll spend a lot more time focusing on now is embracing ourselves as professionals, but as people as well. What's important to us? How can we look after ourselves? How can we be kinder to ourselves? And how can we make sure that we're putting ourselves first sometimes in these situations, not in a selfish way, but in a way that's self-compassionate to move forward? I think that's so positive. And I think you summarized it so well in just kind of the whole message of this podcast that we hope people are kind of, it's getting across to people is just embracing oneself and being positive, not just like about everything, but kind of being kind to yourself in your development as well, not just in the small things, but also in general and kind of letting these walls that I think every veterinary professional has built up just from being exposed to the veterinary profession itself and kind of letting them come down and being a lot more insightful and as you've done um quite obviously through through what you've learned is just letting ourselves kind of dream and see the different possibilities and kind of being happy to embrace them and move forward in a way that maybe might seem even scary so i wanted to just ask was there any point where you saw that you were changing and going into these different paths were you ever kind of afraid or kind of 
thinking, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm going completely against the grain. Is that, is that something you've ever felt and how did you kind of deal with that? Yeah, good question. So in terms of actually, as, as we do move forward, it is common for us to get that inner critic, like we said before, piping up, saying all the reasons why it's going to be scary. But in the midst of that, what it's also really important for us to look at and get familiar with, and this touches back on the last question about what we could be doing in the vet schools as well, is thinking about what's valuable to us and figuring out who we are as people as much as who we are as professionals, because that helps guide us as a little bit of a compass as we move forward. Because you're right, we've got comfort zones. But sometimes there's, there's a line between going after things because we think we should be going after them and we think that's going to be the answer and we think that's going to be the missing piece of the puzzle and we start falling into the it'll be okay when game versus the I really want to do that because it really aligns with me and I'm going to enjoy the journey of heading towards that as well. So anyone that's listening, either you can do it with the help of other people, you can Google like values exercises online, just spend some time thinking about what is important to me? Like what is valuable to me? Because remember, that's not going to look the same as what it does for anybody else on your course. And that's one of the other things I wish that I'd gone back and told myself is you are valuable, but you're also unique. And we spend so much time, like we said already in that comparison trap of what are they doing? Goodness, maybe I should be doing that. And like you said, Sophia, sometimes that means that we end up thinking, oh, this, this feels scary and I want to go that way. But actually, where's the push and where's the pull? Like, do we want to go towards it because it's something that really aligns with us and maybe it feels a, a bit scary because we've got that inner critic telling us all the reasons we don't deserve it? Or is that gut feeling that, oh, I actually don't really want this, but I feel like I should go to it because everybody else does? And getting familiar with who we really are because we've said already we are not our thoughts. But you know what's really important is who actually are we? And that's not just I am Katie the vet. That's you're a, everyone's a unique, one-off, valuable person that's going to have their own set of experiences, their own set of values, their own set of wants in life, their own set of outcomes, which I never put any attention to. I just thought, right, okay, what, what is the achievement that's going to make me feel better about who I am? Instead, it was an internal job to start with. Absolutely. No, definitely. I think it can be easy, as we've said before, to kind of chase more and more and think that more achievements and more things will make us feel more fulfilled when maybe that's not really everything there is to life, because I think we're not a summary of our achievements in the end, which is difficult because life sometimes makes us feel that way because we're always on this comparison ladder with other people, with getting a job. It's about what's on your CV and it's all very competitive in life. But I think in reality the people I've met that have kind of been the happiest and most fulfilled have been people that are really self-aware and know who they are and that's kind of yeah. what they chase happiness more than that just a list of things that they've done so I think that's another really positive thought that we can um, come up with for today is just again keeping an open mind and just being okay with figuring out who you are which I think is one of the best parts of vet school is figuring out who you are it's a slow process but it's it's probably, I think, one of my favorites um, about vet school is just how much I learned and how much I changed from year one to year five. I'm almost like a completely different person. Um, and I think that's why it's such a, a valuable experience. So yeah. Um, yeah, you've definitely added to that. And you know, that's an ongoing process all the way through our careers. We're always learning more about us. And I think that's where that self-compassion piece comes in as well, of just looking and being like, oh, that's really interesting that, say, that really 
really bothered me. Okay, how can I be a bit kinder to myself? Or what can I learn from that? Like you said, that was a mistake. But when I've given myself the time, what can I learn from that? Oh, I've tried this area of practice and maybe that one wasn't for me. What's actually valuable to me? Okay, let me get some mentors. Let me get a coach. Let me see, is this the right direction for me? And I'm realizing that, yeah, everyone's version of success looks different, but let's not chase something because we think that it will be okay when we get there. Let's make happiness the success you know whatever that looks like and stepping out of that lane of comparison because that's what we've been taught in school isn't it like what grades did they get what did they get and what kind of trainers have they got what kind of car have they got we're taught comparison so early on that it's understandable that it's the default mode but actually let's step back and embrace that uniqueness because you can't compare unique definitely i think it's it's so easy to forget because quite often you don't even realize you're comparing yourself to others. You think of like comparison being this thing that like, oh, some people might do that, but I don't catch myself doing it. But I think it's a really subconscious thing. Like even when you're on Instagram and you can see that, um, I don't know, so-and-so from this vet school has just written this dissertation or won this award or has got these grades. Or I, I think a place that can be really toxic if you don't use it properly is LinkedIn as well for these sorts of things. Um, because that is where everyone shares their achievements. And if you're in a bad mindset, maybe you need to take yourself away from those things. But because you won't even realize that you will be comparing. Um, definitely. For, for a lot of our listeners who are sort of at GCSE, sixth form kind of age or hires in Scotland, um, this year and last year, because their exams have been cancelled and predicted grades have been awarded by teachers, we've had a lot of messages from people sort of saying, like, I don't really feel as though I've earned my place at vet school um, and that they're not worthy of getting in. Um, what would your advice be for students who are in this position? Because I suppose when we came to vet school, we got our grades. And if we did feel like, oh, I haven't earned my place. You'd be like, what were the entry requirements? This is what I got in my exams. And that's maybe something that students can't do this year. So what would your advice be for people that are experiencing some kind of self-doubt um, about their admission to vet school? Yeah, this is a really good question. And you know what, actually, there's been similar things that have flagged up for a lot of final year vet students as well that maybe last year had done open book exams rather than doing closed book exams. I think there's one thing that we should start with, which is always give yourself credit for the massive amount of other skills that you've acquired in this year too, because there've been skills in resilience, there've been skills in self-compassion, there've been skills in adaptation to change that are going to make you phenomenal vets minus those grades as well. So that's the first thing. That's not what that little inner critic is going to say to you. It's not going to say, look at all this heap of skills that you did acquire in this last year. So give yourself a reminder of those. The second thing that I say as well is look at what is in your control. Like you had no control over COVID happening. Like it's not that you could have prevented this. Let's take a little bit of our energy away from that because actually no matter how much we hope and think and try and change it, we can't. Like it's out of our control. And the third thing is let's just look at the, the facts in all of this and realize that actually your teacher, who knows you better than anybody else has seen your abilities, gave you that grade. And almost put yourself in the position, if you were stood in front of that teacher trying to argue your case as to why you don't deserve it, what would you actually say to them? Oh, I don't deserve it. They go, yeah, you do. That's why I gave it to you. 
And then you'd run out of arguments, like you run out of steam, like play that through in your head. What are you going to say to them? Oh, actually, I, I didn't get them all right on my mock. Well, I know what you're capable of. And this is the grade that I've given to you. And we were talking just before we started this podcast that actually one of my close family members, she's a maths teacher. And I've seen it from the other side. I've seen her agonizing over making sure she's really solidly happy with every single grade that she's given out to make sure that she's doing her job right. So just realize that actually they didn't just throw those grades out willy nilly. They didn't think, oh, that'll do. We'll give them a, a seven and we'll give them an eight. They actually put a lot of time and thought into every grade. So you know what? Actually, let's take the opinions out of, oh, they only gave it to me because I was nice to them and I was one of the well-behaved ones. It doesn't work like that. They have to have a very rational, factual reasoning behind giving you those grades. So just come back to that and also think, if my friend was having those thoughts, what would I say to them? And gently reassure yourself of that. But that would be my overall advice to anybody that's listening. You absolutely do deserve your grades. You're in vet school for a reason. You're there now. Embrace it. Enjoy it. Be kind to yourself. and Realize you've got a whole path ahead of you now. That's really well summarized. Um, and it's, I think, a nice for people to hear that from personal experience that, you know, teachers, that that is what's going on. And it's true. And I think personally, one of the probably most positive things that I did in vet school <clears throat> was kind of learning to disattach myself from the importance of exams and seeing them more as assessments. I mean, they are quite arbitrary and there's so many people that pass through vet school and go through it that it's not going to be everybody's optimum playing field. Some people are just going to not be good at exams. And there's so many different types of exams that you might be good at some and you might be not so good at some. So don't beat yourself you know, down if, if you're not great at taking exams. Sometimes it just is that you're not the best at taking exams and yeah. you might have other strengths that other students don't have. So it's not just about just because universities and the academic system has chosen exams as a way to assess you and make you pass. It doesn't mean that that's the be all end all of personal quality or how good you are of a vet it's just the way that has happened that we get assessed so it's it's not it's not personal I think sometimes I tell myself like don't take it personally it's not an attack on you it's okay <laughs> it's just yeah. the way it is it's it's I'm not I'm personally not the best at exams and I've had to kind of learn to be like well I'm good at other things like exams are just not my best thing this time thing that I have to sit down and do is just not my favorite um yeah. and the sooner you kind of learn that you do just need to pass to progress and you can shine in other areas, then that's kind of all you need, really. Um, yeah. You know, and two things I'd add to that. The first one is some of the best vets that I know have failed exams. The second thing is going for any job. Nobody has ever asked me if I failed any exams at vet school. That conversation's never come up. They just see that you've got the degree. So when they feel so significant, because we've been taught all through life that failing makes us a failure we've been told that failing is bad actually let's go back and rewrite that and just realize that some of those thoughts that pop up around it that lead to the feelings we we never actually chose them they were just handed to us because our parents experienced that and their parents experienced that but let's be the generation that says just like you've said there that actually our value is constant and is independent of all those external things and when you take a step out of that lane where you're playing that I'm here to prove myself, actually you think, oh goodness, it's so much easier when I realize I'm valuable already because I can head into that exam and not think my value is on the outcome of this. Then you can focus better. Then you can say, I'm going to give it all I've got. And if that's enough today, brilliant. 
if it's not, I'll go back and I can learn more. And yeah, it might be uncomfortable if I do fail. And that's just because it's all been filtered through this view of whatever I've been taught before. And that's the point where I'm going to be kind to myself. But this is why I want to do this. This is my why. I'm going to ask for some help. I'm going to be gentle with myself. And yeah, that's a huge step for you to be able to know that, that our value is not on the outcome of an exam result forgive ourselves for thinking that it is because that's what we've gone through our lives being taught we've been going through our lives being taught that we're only valuable if we're only valuable if you get some extra letters after your name and one of the quotes that i put on instagram was i had 27 letters after my name and doctor before it and none of them gave me me what gave me me was realizing that i'm not my thoughts realizing that i'm a human realizing that i am valuable realizing that actually there's nowhere to be, there's nothing to do, there's nothing to get. Actually being here is valuable in itself. And you, it's it's our game to play. Like you can't not play. So let's be gentle to ourselves when we get on that pitch and we decide what we're going to go out there and do. And so often, yeah, when we tune into that little inner critic and we believe it, then we start chasing other people's dreams and we start doing the things that they'd like us to do because we think that eventually we'll get to this point and we'll feel better. But believe me, I coach university lecturers. I've coached specialists i've coached people that are influencers in this space and they've all had the same thoughts pop up and none of them disappeared by getting the stuff actually what changed things was realizing that i'm not prepared to believe that one today what kind of thought can i tell myself how can i be a bit more gentle with myself and how can i just accept that yeah i'm, I'm human and i can only do my best and that's going to look different on different days Definitely. I think this is really important for people to hear because whilst you're at school, whilst you're at uni, you don't have anybody to tell you these things really, unless you've already spoken about experiencing it and you seek out help. Um, so I think this is really positive for people that sort of are experiencing some of these things and maybe sort of aren't at the point of discussing it and haven't got that far yet that they can sort of hear what you have to say about valuing yourself and realising your own worth and not attaching it to certain physical things or certain achievements that perhaps these things they've not really considered before so I think this has been a really really insightful again for Sophia and I and particularly me as someone who can kind of empathize with people who haven't been able to sit their exams because I'm two years into vet school and I haven't sat a real exam and so sometimes I catch myself thinking like I got my results last week and I caught myself thinking oh did I really get those and I have to be like no stop stop and um I was on placement and I kind of had to remind myself of, okay, think of all the things you've done today that make you feel as though you are a good vet student and you do deserve to be here. So definitely for anybody listening, I think this has been really, really helpful and um, we can't thank you enough really. And I'm sure our listeners can't either. You're very welcome. I mean, this is a topic that I could quite honestly talk about all day long, but please, if anyone is listening to this and thinks, oh my goodness, this is me. I have no, I, don't have a clue where to start with this i mean certainly reach out speak to somebody you can hop on my website i've got a few free webinars and things on there that you can look at and you can watch and understand a little bit more about imposter syndrome what it is where it comes from steps that you can do but like you were saying there erin that's a really powerful tool of just sit back and write down five things that went well during the day or five things that you're proud of yourself for because actually, without me going on for too long, there's a really special part of our brain called our reticular activating system where whatever we have put our conscious attention to for a certain period of time, 
our subconscious mind will then screen the horizon for information that fits in with that. So a quick example is you're looking for a red car, you want a red Ford Fiesta, suddenly you think there's red Ford Fiestas everywhere. Actually, there's not. It's just because you spent so long on Auto Trader looking at red Ford Fiestas that your brain says, this is important information. You need to look at this. If you spend so long thinking, why do I not deserve to be here? Why am I a fraud? Why is everybody else doing better than me? Your brain will then put that filter on and say, here's a whole heap of information as to why. So we can train our brains to an extent of saying, look, let me write down in a journal or whichever way that you want to do it. You don't have to tell anyone that you're doing it. You can hide it if it feels uncomfortable to you. Five things that went well during the day that you're proud of yourself for. They don't have to be Oscar wins. It doesn't have to be, oh, I did my first, I scrubbed in on my first spinal surgery. Like it can be anything. And actually, the more you do that, like a muscle, you flex it and it gets easier for you to find those things. And you start saying, you know what? That one thing that happened during the day that that negative narrative wants to make the day a bad day, actually, there were quite a few good things that happened. You can add to that, add some things that you're grateful for as well, because actually when we flip our perspective, we can see things completely differently and yeah, never underestimate reaching out for help because I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't. And it, it's so much more valuable than you realize too. Absolutely. I, I love your example of the Ford actually, because I think you explained what I like to think of and many people think of as manifesting and kind of, you know, believing in the ways of the universe, you put it in a scientific way, which I think all vets will really enjoy. Um, but I think that's something I completely believe in and I use all the time because I do believe that if you if you focus your mind and kind of focus on the things you want to see, your brain will kind of mechanically do that and you will start to see them. So I think keeping journals and kind of manifesting what you you want to see in your life, I think that is so helpful. It's helped me so much. I think it's such a positive way to kind of make your brain um, move in the direction you want. So I think that's such a nice way of explaining yeah. it. Definitely. And you know, the thing is as well, so often if we constantly think that we're not good enough and that's almost our identity, we miss the opportunities that are right in front of us. Like you say, it's the science of manifesting. Like if you think, oh, you know what, I'd really love to do this. And then you listen to every thought that says, here are all the reasons why you can't do it. You step back and you don't do it. And you end up looking at all the blocks rather than all the opportunities. So yeah, when you start thinking, actually, I'm going to journal on why I would want to do it and what is coming up in my way and how would I speak to a friend about this instead? Then suddenly all those buttons that felt like they were grayed out become available to you that you think, oh, actually, maybe I could do that. Because underneath all those thoughts is a valuable, unique, one-off powerful person that's got a whole heap of potential like they did studies saying what were the odds of us being born as us not as anybody else they looked into the odds of your parents being born and your parents meeting your parents being in a relationship gamete formation etc etc and it was one in 400 trillion which was the same as flipping a coin 30,000 times in a row and it always landing on its edge that was the same odds as you being you yet we think we're not good enough to go out and do all the things that we want to do. You're like, you've already done something pretty successful already. And I know that sounds a little bit fluffy and a bit woo at the same time, but just sit back into that value and say, you know what, this isn't ignorant, oblivious me saying, right, I'm going to charge out and do things that I've not been trained to do. It's you saying, you know what, if you work at this, you can do it. Let's just keep our mind open to opportunities. Let's be kind to ourselves. Let's adopt that growth mindset. Let's think about what's important to us 
And let's enjoy the journey of doing it as much as actually getting there because that sets us up for, for a long, happy career. Amazing. Thank you so much again for all this. I think it's, we've personally found it um, so helpful and it's been so positive. And I think it's something that we all can take something away from because it's, it's something that resonates with everyone. Um, and it's such a natural part of being a human, but I think it is good to see a way out and think, okay, there is something I can do about this. And um, it might not be the easiest thing, but I think like everything, if you keep at it and kind of stop yourself, you can really grow as a person and just embrace who you are and like figure it out because it's going to take time but i think it's something completely achievable so thank you so much again katie for coming um and speaking to us um can you tell us a little bit where people can find you all your social media website and everything and anything else you want people you think people should check out and find useful Absolutely. I mean, certainly you can find me on my website, which is katiefordvet.com. You'll find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active as at katiefordvet. There's hundreds and hundreds of posts diving into everything that we've spoken about here. You'll find me on Facebook as imposter busting with Katie Ford. And you'll also find me on LinkedIn as Katie Ford Vet as well. So just have a little look. Like you've said already, getting over imposter syndrome isn't stopping those thoughts ever appearing. It's actually just saying, you know what, I understand that they're probably popping up because I'm growing. How can I be a bit kinder to myself in this moment? How can I step past some of those unwritten rules and reach out for some help at these points? How can I just tune into me and be kinder to me? I still get those thoughts popping all like frequently if I'm growing and I just understand it differently. Now it means that I still enjoy the journey and I don't stop doing the things that are really important to me. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming again. Um, and guys, go check out all of um, Katie Ford's information because it's, it's, it's something I definitely want to know more about. And I love that you're kind of putting the scientific twist on these kind of really classic ideas of manifesting and being positive. So I, I really enjoy that. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll put some more information on the Instagram where you can find everything. And we hope you enjoyed this podcast. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you find it helpful, then please share with others who you think would find it useful as well. Make sure to subscribe to both our podcast and our YouTube channel with the same name to be notified when our next episode is released. Don't forget to leave us a review if you enjoyed it. Follow us on Instagram at So You Want To Be A Vet for exclusive quizzes, behind the scenes and updates on all things So You Want To Be A Vet. Remember to follow at Medic Mentor to learn more about opportunities such as workshops, summer schools that will further help you advance your application. If you have any questions or any further thoughts, then please comment them below the Instagram post for each of the episodes. And if you want to hear us discuss something, then let us know. We want to know what will help you. Thanks again for listening and take care, guys. Visit the Vet Mentor website for more ways in which we can help you through your application journey into vet school. This includes a range of national events, summer schools, publications, skills workshops, and our famous Get Into Veterinary Medicine Insight Conferences held online. As a subscriber to So You Want To Be A Vet, 
You can attend these conferences for free using the coupon code INSTABET. See you soon.